Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guide. Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And your other co-host, Donnie Cage. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How's it going, sir? It's going great. It's it's the start of a brand new week. I'm excited to talk wrestling. Yeah, a lot. A lot going on right now and a lot happening over the weekend. Definitely. But before we get into that, uh, folks, if this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button no matter which platform you're listening to us from. We're on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the list goes on from there. Also, Mr. Cage has his own podcast that he created and co-hosts, very about Uncaged Voice. Yes, if you're interested in uh, listening to all sorts of entertainment news and hearing some very uh, interesting but sometimes controversial opinions, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast. Hosted by myself, Donnie Cage, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester. Yeah, be sure to check that out. Absolutely. And let's see here. Also, if you like to listen about current news, what's going on in the world today, and all that good stuff, be sure to check out the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I currently uh, host it. We drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. Actually, we're going to change that. We're going to go to... We drop new episodes two times a week because I can never get them in on time. <laughs> but anyways, uh, also we drop new episodes right here, uh, like Clockwork, every Monday and Friday. Also, if you'd ever like to be a guest on the show or have any questions for Mr. Cage or myself, you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Olkentucky, spelled out, 99 at yahoo.com. Also, in the links below, you'll see all of our social media, including our merch shop. So be sure to check that out. There will be new items added to that next week, I'm told. So that should be pretty awesome as well. All right, so let's get into today's episode. A lot to talk about. First, though, every first segment of the show is my fantasy booking. Basically what this is, is Donnie will pick a wrestler, I'll pick a wrestler, somebody who was on maybe a promotion that they didn't quite do as well as they should have. And uh, we rebooked them and how we would have done things different. And as always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you go ahead and start us off, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, I've got a good one uh, this week. A legendary English wrestler who uh, really came into prominence in the uh, early to late 2000s. A man by the name of uh, Stephen Howarth. You must be thinking to yourself, who is Stephen Howarth? Well, he is better known by his ring name of Nigel McGuinness. And 
This man, of course, nowadays works as a commentator for, uh, for NXT and for other WWE brands, but he was most famous for his work in Ring of Honor, where he was a Ring of Honor pure champion and also a Ring of Honor world champion. In fact, he held the pure championship for 350 days during his reign, and the world title he held for 545 days. Fun fact, in 2008, I actually saw Nigel McGuinness wrestle El Generico, a.k.a. Sami Zayn, for the ROH World Championship in Philadelphia. It's a great live event. Very uh, competitive match as well. Well, Nigel McGuinness in 2009 was being scouted by both WWE and TNA Wrestling. Ultimately, because he failed what was described as a pre-screening physical test at the, at the WWE, he uh, ended up signing with TNA in the fall of 2009. And this is where things started, started to take a downturn for Mr. Nigel McGuinness. Number one, TNA completely changed his look, which really didn't need to be changed, but okay. I could live with them giving him a haircut. They changed his ring name from Nigel McGuinness to Desmond Wolf. First person he feuded with in TNA was Kurt Angle, and they had a, an interesting series of matches that ultimately Kurt Angle would prevail and uh, win that feud. He also was entered later in the eight-card stud tournament to crown a new number one contender for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, but he was eliminated in the first round by the eventual winner, Pope D'Angelo Dinero. Soon after, he was aligning himself with Ric Flair and TNA World Heavyweight Champion AJ Styles, and also the uh, tag team Beer Money, James Storm and uh, Bobby Roode. And it looked like at one point in time, he was being groomed to be a part of the Fortune Stable, which was sort of meant to be TNA's, TNA's take on the Four Horsemen. But ultimately, he was not selected to be a part of the group. And he kind of floundered in the mid-card from that point forward. He did form a partnership for a brief period of time with Magnus, a.k.a. Nick Aldis. They were known as a tag team called London Brawling. They had a couple of tag team title shots, but really nothing special. And then unfortunately, in uh, and Nigel McGuinness actually revealed this in a 2014 podcast, he uh, was suffering from what was at the time an undisclosed medical situation, but was later described as him testing positive for hepatitis B. He had to retire from in-ring competition. And there might have been more issues going on there. He might have also had additional injuries, but... This man was a great in-ring worker, was completely, completely misutilized during his time in TNA wrestling. And, you know, it's just one of those what-could-have-been stories. There was no need to change his name. There was no reason to completely revamp his look. He was already very well-known in the wrestling world. They could have just utilized him so much better, and they dropped the ball big time. What can I say? And unfortunately, like I said, due to some medical conditions, his career ended prematurely, which is very unfortunate. Kentucky guy, your thoughts? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I know he held the title in Ring of Honor for quite a while. And I remember when he was with uh, the Ring of Honor, and, you know, he, he was a decent wrestler. But, I mean, really, can you, what could have TNA done any different? I mean, the guy was. He's nasty. He got hepatitis, man. I mean, ugh. 
And what do you what do you what are you gonna do with somebody like that? You can't let them go in there and infect your uh your other restaurant. And as far as uh commentator, I thought he was actually kind of decent as a commentator. I, I much prefer him as a commentator than a wrestler back when I was watching him, so I think he might have should have stayed in that game. But she was with the WWE. I think they let they let him go last year, if I'm not mistaken, when they did the big switch. When uh the uh, one guy went to work for uh, ESPN for uh, football for, for the season. So, anyways, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good pick, man. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I just wasn't a very big fan of his, so don't know a whole lot about him. Okay, so let's move on to my fantasy booking for this episode. I said my fantasy booking may be a little bit shocking to you all because it's on a wrestler. And the type of this type of wrestler I don't normally talk about, especially crazy. And that's the luchador style wrestling. My fantasy booking this episode is Yohoshiro Asia. Who's that? He's better known, and you'll know him as Ultimo Dragon. Yes, yes, Ultimo Dragon. And what we're going to talk about is how this superstar was not put over in the WWE and what kind of mistake that was. So, Ultimo Dragon, he trained in New Japan Pro Wrestling in the dojo in 1987. And he was drafted up, uh, but he was never drafted up by the promotion due to his small size. He then moved to Mexico where he joined the Universal Wrestling Association and won the UWA World Welterweight Championship in 1988. He finally made his debut in America for WCW promotion in 1996. Under his name, Ultimo Dragon, WCW, when they brought him into the company, he had a collection of 10 belts, 10 titles from various promotions. He won the WCW World War III when he returned to WCW as a junior crown champion. He then feuded with Dean Malenko for the WCW Cruiserweight title, which he won at Starcade 96. He then dropped the belt to Malenko because... He then won the WCW World Television Champion from Prince Luca. However, with all those accomplishments, in the summer and the spring of 2003, he signed with the World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE, seeking to realize his two lifelong goals. This has been his goal ever since he started in wrestling, was to compete at Madison Square Garden and to perform at a WrestleMania. He made his WWE television debut at Madison Square Garden on June 26, 2003, in an episode of SmackDown uh, in a match with Shannon Moore. Now, the Dragon did not have the same success. Um, most of his matches were on the secondary show called Velocity at that time before his release. It, it, it's, so let me just give you a little bit of this guy's history. He was only with the WWE for one year. One year, 2003-2004. Before then, he had won 34 different titles, including the Cruiserweight television title, as I talked about, in WCW. He was Pro uh, Wrestling Illustrated, ranked number 12 in the world in their annual top 500 list. And as I mentioned, in 1996, he held 10 different titles from 10 different promotions at one time. This was such an obvious failure failure here that WWE could have done different. Instead of him tagging with Rey Mysterio, they should have pit those two guys against each other. 
they only had one match against each other when they were in the WWE, and that was in uh, on a SmackDown in 2003. Rather than the one WrestleMania that the Ultimo Dragon went to in the tournament for the Cruiserweight, that title, instead of being vacant, it should have either been Rey Mysterio or the Ultimo Dragon should have been the champion going into the event. The Ultimo Dragon asked for his release, by the way, after a year. The WWE did not release him. Why? Why did he leave? Well, finally, we got the answer on a podcast. He, he revealed that he left the WWE because the companies higher up, a.k.a. Vince McMahon, wanted him to remove his match due to his similarity to Rey Mysterio. Now, if you ever followed Luchador Wrestling or any kind of wrestling in, in Mexico, the mask is a very sacred thing. At one time, I remember Rey Mysterio actually removing his mask, and he fought for a while without it, and I, I couldn't believe it because – that's such a sacred thing in the luchador tradition. So for Vince McMahon to ask this guy, instead of trying to work with him and use all this talent he had, don't get me wrong, there's no, Rey Mysterio is a great wrestler too, but you could have had them both. WCW did it. They had some awesome matches against each other. But instead of that, they wanted him to remove his mask and change the way he did things, and that was a huge, huge drop of the ball, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Well, I got to tell you, Kentucky guy, I was really getting into WCW during the early days with the Luchadors, and a large part of uh, that was because of the matches between Ultimo Dragon and Rey Mysterio, and Ultimo Dragon and Dean Malenko, because they also had some great matches. Um, the World War Three match that you mentioned for the J-Crown Cruiserweight titles is still one of my all-time favorites in any wrestling company. They just absolutely tore the house down that night, and I was excited when they signed Ultimo Dragon in 2003. And of course, my excitement disappeared within months because they did absolutely nothing with him. And I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, how do you have a wrestler of Ultimo Dragon's stature and barely utilize him? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think you were spot on with this pick, Kentucky guy, huge Ultimo Dragon fan. He was done dirty by WWE. Yeah, and he... Uh... He was such a phenomenal wrestler, and his finishing moves, the Dragon Sleeper, I, I thought was phenomenal. And you have to remember something. Back then, when he was there, he, uh, the Great Muta was still on the scene. There, there was so much going on with that cruiserweight division. At one time, WCW had the monopoly on cruiserweights and junior heavyweights. They had it. Shannon Moore, who I mentioned, he was a great wrestler, too. A lot of people... Think about his days with WWE. That's the guy that's probably going to be on my list one day because WWE didn't know how to work him the right way and turned him into a complete joke. But when he was with WCW, he was great. All right, so uh, let's move on to the next segment of the show. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Royal Rumble just happened. And let's get into – were you going to say something, sir? Oh, no, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, let's get into wrestling news. All right, first headline. All right, so it looks like here from reports that I've received that Tony Jett provided a flight, provided or Tony Khan, <laughs> Tony Jett, Tony Khan provided a jet to fly in the majority of AEW talent to attend Jay Briscoe's funeral service. That is pretty great. There's been a lot of things, some things I'm not allowed to mention. I don't know why, 
I guess it's just humility on Tony's part. He has done a lot for this Briscoe's family, and he continues to do so. And, I think and when I say uh, he provided a jet for the majority of them, is he basically bought a jet or provided a jet, a company jet, for anyone that wanted to go that worked for AEW. And I thought that was that's why there were so many there. I don't know if uh, if any of you had a chance to watch the services yet, but uh, Mark Briscoe, his eulogy on his brother was, I mean, it'll bring a tear to your eye. It was, it was, it was something else. But uh, yeah, I just think that's so cool, and I wanted to mention that. Your thoughts? That's just such a class act by Tony Khan to do that. He knows what Jay Briscoe meant to so many members of his uh, roster. Uh, you know guys who worked with Jay Briscoe and Ring of Honor and AEW talent and that just says so much about Tony Khan as a boss you know we've said it a million times you can question his booking decisions you can question his decision to sign CM Punk to this big contract and and this that and the other you cannot question this this man's worth as a human being he cares about his about his talent roster and he cares about about the families of his talent so this is just this was a great uh, class act by Tony Khan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Very, uh, very, very cool. Very cool. All right. So we've got some breaking news on the next headline. The U.S. title will be the championship belt that will be defended at Elimination Chamber in the actual Elimination Chamber match. There's going to tonight on Raw. There's going to be two qualifying matches. This is a spoiler. Seth Rollins versus Chad Gable and Johnny Gargano versus Baron Corbin. Wow. So, first of all, I think we all know who's going to win the first one. <laughs> Seth Rollins, which he deserves to be in this. He That was his title until the fluke match, the triple threat, what have you. Johnny Gargano and Baron Corbin. I mean, Baron Corbin's such a joke. His, his, his rumble entrance was, I mean, what do you do now? You put him with you put him with JBL, and he's still, I mean, he at least he dropped the name, a stupid name, Happy Corbin, but, I mean, he's just, he he's washed up. It's, he needs to go. Sorry for you uh, Baron Corbin fans, but the guy needs to go. There's just nothing for him. Your thoughts? Shush, shush, please. As, as funny as I find that routine to be, I definitely am going to say Seth Rollins is going to beat Chad Gable and qualify for the Elimination Chamber. Um, I feel like the smart money goes uh, would be on Johnny Gargano here because he is obviously the better wrestler. I mean, he's, he is Johnny Wrestling. He looked really good in the Royal Rumble, by the way. I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go along. But um, uh, as much as I hate to say this Kentucky guy, I feel like the creative team's going to slap us all in the face and have Baron Corbin qualify for the uh, Elimination Chamber. Well, that would be a complete and total waste of time, in my opinion. In my opinion. All right, sir, so you've got the next story. Here we go, next headline. Ooh, ooh, see if I can refresh my phone here. Yep. Rhea Ripley confirms that she, she suffered an injury in the WWE Royal Rumble match. Rhea Ripley made history at this year's WWE Royal Rumble event by becoming the first woman to enter the bout as the first entrant and win the entire match. She also earned the Iron Woman record after spending over an hour in the ring. Fans noticed that Ripley may have suffered a knee injury in the bout, something she has confirmed. While speaking at the post-Royal Rumble presser, Ripley confirmed she suffered a dislocated knee injury. However, 
she popped it back into place, which now seems to be okay. She said, quote, I'm obviously beat up. My knees aren't very good in general. So my knee did dislocate for a second, and then it went back in. But I'm feeling good now, and because of all my emotions, I'm just excited. So I'm blocking out everything else. If anything, I can smell blood in my nose, and that's definitely there. But my knee is good, Ripley stated in the first opening minutes of the press conference. Well, I mean, Kentucky guys, she put on a heck of a performance in the match, and she was both of our picks to, to win the Royal Rumble match for the women. I'm glad to see they listened to us and listened to the fans because she's been on fire with her, her character and her work that she's done with Judgment Day. This was absolutely the right call. Your thoughts? Uh, no, I agree. And I tell you, starting, starting the Rumble at number one and doing everything that she did was just amazing. And by the way, uh, it's been confirmed to, that uh, tonight on Raw, she will, she will tell, she will let us know which champion she's going to face, whether it be Charlotte or Ponytail Girl, and we'll get into that how disgusting that match was in a little bit. But yeah, so I mean, my hats off to her, man. I, I, it was great. I mean, she, she did a phenomenal job, and she deserves it. Uh, we both said it last episode. I think Warren actually picked her as well. Uh, that she deserves it. It's her time, and it wasn't a real big shock that she won, but I was surprised that she came in as entry number one, so I started doubting myself, but wow. And I, I'll tell you another thing. Liv Morgan, she started at number two. She put on a heck of a show as well. She was right there at the end, right there at the end. So, you know, my hat's off to both of them. Uh, the uh, In my opinion, in my opinion, the women's battle royal, or Royal Rumble, <laughs> the Royal Rumble, outdid the men's Royal Rumble 20 to 1. That's just my opinion, though. And you guys will be shocked as the night goes on to hear what I have to say, my true feelings about this year's pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble, which is normally a pay-per-view that I love and look forward to. Anyway, next, uh, next uh, headline, sir. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Working a normal schedule, normal hours at HQ. There's been some speculation from fans about Vince McMahon's role in WWE since returning as the chairman of the board. Nothing has changed in regards to how creative his run, and Triple H is still running things at Raw and SmackDown. Ric Flair noted on his podcast that he did not see Vince backstage at Raw, although he had hoped to see him. The people at the gorilla position were Hunter, Bruce Pritchard, and William Regal. Dave Meltzer reported that Vince hasn't been to TV since he returned and his schedule at the office has changed. Vince used to work all night and sometimes into the early morning, but these days he leaves work at a normal time and his duties have lessened. Those long creative meetings that have been reported on in the past are no longer a thing. In the past, creative meetings could go well into the night. Of course, anything can change at a moment's notice, but as of now, it looks like Vince has no plans to run Raw and SmackDown. Well... That will be the best-case scenario. I've said it, and I'm sure you've said it too, Kentucky guys, since he came back as executive chairman. I said to myself, do not let him touch creative with a 10-foot pole. Don't let him back on TV. Just let him do whatever he's doing behind the scenes to negotiate a sale if that's still actually going to happen. But otherwise, do not let him become involved in the everyday product. 
your thoughts. Yeah, uh, I actually agree 100% with you on this. He does not need to be a part of creative anymore. Uh, we've learned that lesson. Surely they've learned that lesson. And you can see, you know, we say it about Cody and Con all the time, but it's true about Vince as well. Vince McMahon did not make the money that he made by being stupid. He's a smart, he's a very smart businessman when it comes to business. Even though he's made some bad investments and tried like the uh, XFL and, and stupid stuff like that because of his own ego. He's lost more money than most of us will ever make in our life. However, saying that, when it comes to his product, he can see the profitability now that Triple H is ahead of creative. He can see that he sees those numbers even more closer now that he's chairman of the board again. So he can see like this this Royal Rumble brought in more money than the last three or four have. So in saying that, he's not going to touch his golden egg. He's going to leave Triple H right there. Now, as far as the sale of the WWE, I have to admit, I'm starting to wonder if that wasn't just a bunch of smoke because he's also they also say he came back to help sell the company and to re-sign television deals. And from my understanding, from what I found out, is that the contracts were up with a lot of different, uh, you know, like Fox and the television stations and that. And he has been working. That's what he's been working on is to show them the numbers where it's turned around to try to redo those deals. And I have to say that I think that's more – I can swallow that better than them saying come back to help sell the company. I just, I don't know, his ego, I just can't see him. I mean, I'm sure if somebody will pay his price to sell it, but I just don't see him selling it. Once I heard about the television deals coming back around, I was like, yep, that's why he's there. That's why he come back. That's, that's, the, that's the story. And then I also, you know, I reported that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon stood against the sale of the company. and. You know, that factors in. Yeah, maybe there's a little tension there between him and Stephanie, but it's still his kid, his daughter. And, uh, you know, say what you want, but he's always been kind of a family guy. I know he's a freak when it comes to being a husband, but, you know, he's always they've always seen and always had a pretty close relationship. It's got to factor in somewhere because he's still human. All right, so uh, next, next headline. Oh, before we get to the next headline, by the way, I forgot to mention Cody Rhodes. Will be starting Raw tonight for all of you wondering. He will be uh, kicking Raw off when the show starts. All right, next headline. All right, so let's get into the main event of the Royal Rumble because these headlines that we're going to talk about here have everything to do with that. And the first one is let's talk about Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. This was for the WWE Unified Universal Championship. All three of us picked Roman Reigns to win, and he did win. He won. Now, here's the shocker. Here's the shocker that shocked me. Sami Zayn gets in the ring. The Usos and Solo come out. They're sitting there, and they're celebrating. Jay Uso begins to put a lave over, like a Hawaiian lave, lay they call it, over Sami Zayn's neck. Roman stops him not so fast, and orders the Usos to absolutely, and this is something that you don't see on WWE this way very much at all, because this was a gang, like a gang-style beating. Like, they were they were sending a message. 
you mess with us, we're going to take you out. And, man, they beat the crap out of Kevin Owens. Paul Heyman pulls out two two pairs of handcuffs. They handcuff Kevin Owens to the top rope, and they just really, you guys think that the Young Bucks are great at super kicks? Man, the Usos were lighting him up with a super kick party right to the face. You could hear every single one of them. Roman Reigns, who has a steel chair, by the way, he goes over and he he's taunting Kevin Owens with the chair, and then he goes to hit him. He raise, raises the chair back. Sami Zayn steps in front of him, says, no, 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 no. And the crowd goes crazy when Sami does that. He says, you don't need to do this. He's done. You don't need to lower yourself. You're the tribal chief. You just don't need to do this. Roman, being the guy that he is and being as smart as he is, he goes, you know what? You're right. You do it. And he tries to hand the chair to Sammy. Sammy will not take the chair at the beginning. And then finally, Roman Reigns pretty much forces him to take the chair, steel chair. Now, Sammy Zayn is still hesitant. By the way, this match, if you haven't seen it between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, this was a heck of a match. And at one time, Kevin Owens had Roman Reigns beat. He was beat. Referee wasn't there to count it, but he he was beat. He he took him to the limit. And the in the and I'll get your opinion on this here in a minute, uh, Donnie. But uh, the when Roman Reigns took Kevin Owens and he threw him back on those metal steps twice, not once but twice, that actually gave me a headache. This was a phenomenal match. This was uh, the best part of this whole stinking pay per view. Anyways, let's get back to the subject at hand. So now, Roman Reigns is telling Sammy, this guy don't like you, this guy doesn't love you, I love you, and look what I've done for you, and this and that. And then Roman loses his cool like normal Roman Reigns, and he pretty much punks Sammy out, puts his head right into his head, backs him up. Now, Roman turns around, thinks Sammy's getting ready to hit Kevin Owens, and oh my Lord, Sammy Zayn, nails Roman Reigns with the steel chair. And I and the reason why I say oh my lord is I if you would if you I haven't heard a pop like that in wrestling in many, many years. You gotta remember something. I'm old school. I go back many years watching wrestling. It's been years since I've heard a crowd pop like that. And don't forget, they popped every thirty seconds for two different Royal Rumbles before this, and it was nothing compared to the pop Sammy got when he hit Roman Reigns with that chair. Boom. Hits him with the chair. As soon as he hits him with the chair, he turns to Jey Uso and starts apologizing, saying he just can't deal with it anymore. He turns right to Jey Uso. He knows he's getting ready to get beat down, but he turns to his buddy. Boom. Jimmy Uso super kicks him, gets on top of him. Needless to say, uh, Solo gets involved. Uh, he does the Umaga thumb to the throat <laughs> it's just it, it was just man a beatdown and you you thought i was talking about the kevin owens beatdown i think they got sammy the worst and then it, the crowd starts chanting jay and jay's in the corner and roman reigns looks at him jimmy looks at him and boom he rolls out of the ring and leaves just leaves them standing there and then roman reigns loses his cool he, he blames sammy of breaking his family and they really they destroy Sami Zayn in the ring. But I always thought, I, I, I've got to change my mind on this. I always thought when this storyline would come to a head like this, it was going to be the Usos defending one of their titles against Owens and Sami Zayn. 
I don't think so. I think Zane's going to be going after Roman, one of Roman's titles, the way this played out. And, uh, man, I just thought your thoughts on the main event before we go any further. Well, it was a heck of a match, and I, I, de I definitely recommend checking it out if you haven't already. Um, it's a smart move ending the show on this note. You know, Kentucky guy, it takes a special type of coward to beat a man down after not only he's already lost a match, but you've got to beat him down when he's helpless. It wasn't good enough for the tribal chief and the bloodline to beat Kevin Owens down when he was when he was already, you know, spent from the match. No, we have to handcuff him to the ropes and super kick him a bunch of times and and, and crack him with a chair, possibly ending his career in the process. Fortunately, Sami Zayn, despite being as loyal as you could possibly be to the tribal chief and the bloodline for months now, he had enough sense to say, you know what, enough is enough. I've sacrificed everything for the bloodline. This is just one step too far for me. Now, of course, he had to suffer the consequences as a result of doing that, but he wasn't about to sacrifice his morals and who he is as a person to permanently end Kevin Owens' career. And as far as Jay Uso's reaction and what was going on, it's going to be very interesting to see what develops. I personally see this as only a temporary rift in the bloodline. I don't see this being a full-blown bloodline's going to break up. Jay's no longer going to be a part of the family. I did hear the comment he made. I think it was a tweet where he said, I'm out. But I think it was him kind of being caught up in the moment. I don't necessarily think this is the end for Jay Uso. But I will say that out of all the members of the bloodline, Jey Uso has the history with Roman Reigns that goes the furthest back. We could take it all the way back to the fall of 2020 when the two of them were feuding before the bloodline was even a thing. It all started with Roman and Jay. And it, and it may it may very well, in some form or another, it may end with Roman and Jay. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that was an Instagram uh, message that he, he wrote, I'm out, and then he had a, uh, it was a red teardrop and an image of him in the ring uh, just before he left the ring after the rest of the bloodline brutally beat on Sami Zayn. You know, and here's the thing, Jay Uso was the one at first that didn't trust Sami Zayn until War Games, and then Sami earned his trust, and something Jimmy kept saying as he was beating Sami Zayn, I forgot to mention, he kept looking at Jay Uso and saying, is this your brother? I'm your brother. Is this your brother? I'm your brother. So I don't know where that storyline is going to go, but I'm going to tell you what, even though I was not expecting that storyline to end that way, as far as Sammy being a part of the bloodline, I wasn't expecting it to happen, but that is the best storyline I've seen in professional wrestling in a very, very long time. Maybe the best storyline I've seen since the 90s, the early 90s. That that storyline was something else, man. It, it just, it, it's genius. And I know a lot of it fell in their lap, but man, it was just genius. So let's continue. The next headline has to do uh, with that match as well. And uh, yeah, let's go. The WWE Elimination Chamber main event has been set. By the way, this is an inside scoop. WWE is sticking with its plans that were revealed a few months ago for Roman Reigns in the first quarter of 2023. The plan was to do Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble, and then 
Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn at the Elimination Chamber event. Reigns returned, retained, as we just talked about, his WWE Universal title over, over Owens. The bloodline beat down Owens, and when Sami Zayn tried to talk and hit, and hit him, they beat him down as well. So it's been announced. It'll be announced tonight, I should say, on Raw. Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn is now confirmed, and it'll be uh, at four the title at the Elimination Chamber show main event in Montreal on February 18th. And let's see here. Yeah, so I thought that was very, uh, very, very cool. I knew I seen Sami Zayn, uh, and Warren mentioned that they were going to be in the main event. I think he was guessing when he was on last episode. But I knew Sami Zayn was in the poster, but in the poster, he's in an elimination pod. So I was like, huh, you know, very, very, uh, very unreal. Now, before before I move on, before we go to you, uh, Mr. Cage, I wanted to mention we are you already talked I know we already talked about the uh women's Royal Rumble, but I gotta put my two cents in because I I really I didn't get a chance to really talk. First of all I did. Rhea Ripley, yes, 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 yes. I'm glad that uh she won, you know, and, and I picked her and we all picked her and whatever. But there was a couple things that were kind of first of all, Asuka showed back up and she had a new look and I thought that was good. She looked tough. She was one of the last three and uh she She's very strong in the match and, and did great. And you may want to talk about more about the women's uh, rumble too. But I just a couple things. Kelly McCool, <laughs> her music starts and she comes comes into the rumble from the crowd. She leaves her kids, by the way, <laughs> in the audience, and then goes to the rumble. She doesn't. I mean, she doesn't. Nobody expected her to win, but she does decent. She can still go here. So that's that's my two decent things about the female rumble. Here's two things that really really perturbed. First thing was, here comes this girl, Dewdrop, and now they're calling her Piper. What the heck? Why? What? You're not going to explain? No explanation. No nothing. Just oh, she was Dewdrop. Now she's Piper. And you know they're trying to. Michael Cole kept calling her Piper, and uh, it, it's like, uh, like over and over, like he's trying to get in our brain, like we're stupid. And we didn't know that she was previously called Dewdrop. And then one thing that really ticked me off was the way finally we got to see Chelsea Green show up for WWE and what a sad way of introducing this star. Chelsea Green comes in the ring and she's thrown right back out. Right back out. And I think that's a shame. Chelsea Green is a superstar and WWE has never given her the true credibility that she deserves. Uh, your thoughts on the Elimination Chamber and the uh, uh, finishing up the women's uh, role? Well, there's a couple of schools of thought with this. Because the Elimination Chamber is going to be in Montreal, I'm thinking that that is the reason why WWE would do Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber rather than at WrestleMania. Because they want to see, you know, if he, if he were to win, hypothetically, it would be a big hometown pop and a big moment for for Sami Zayn seeing as he's from Montreal um I still personally don't see Sami Zayn taking the belt off of Roman Reigns I think he's going to get really close but I still think the tribal chief's going to retain until Wrestlemania um you know as far as the women's uh Royal Rumble goes uh you know Michelle McCool's appearance was 
you know, it was unexpected. It was, uh, you know, she looked pretty good. Did the Rumble match really need her? No, not really. I think you, you had enough star power there, and you could have potentially even given her spot in the Rumble to another girl from NXT or something. Um, but it was what it was. Asuka, I'm gl- glad, was made to look strong at least because, I mean, she's been the victim of a really, like, hot and cold booking throughout her WWE career, so I'm glad that she looked good. I also thought um, NXT Women's Champion Roxanne Perez looked really good in the match. Um, so she's definitely someone to keep an eye on as she goes along. And and to piggyback off what you said earlier, Liv Morgan also lasted all the way into the end to the end with Rhea Ripley. So she looked great. Um, so the Piper Niven thing. So Kentucky guy, Piper Niven, before she came to Raw and was paired up with Eva Marie, was known as Piper Niven in NXT UK. That was her original ring name when she came to WWE. I'm so glad they gave it back to her. Hated the name Dewdrop with a passion. And she's Piper Niven again, which is what she should have been from the very beginning. So kudos to WWE for changing her name back. Now, as far as the Chelsea Green thing goes, I do agree with you. She could be used a lot better. I don't know if I'd read too too deeply into the quick elimination from the Royal Rumble. I mean, nobody was going to predict that she was going to win it. Could she have lasted longer? Of course. But I have been reading stories online about something like her her character in WWE is going to be a quote-unquote angry Karen-type personality, which leads me to believe that she's going to complain to management, maybe to Adam Pierce or somebody a lot. Uh, we'll wait and see what, how it unfolds on TV. But I don't know. I mean, the Chelsea Green thing getting eliminated from the Rumble real quickly, you know, it is what it is. I wouldn't have had her get eliminated so quickly, but I, I'm not, I'm not too upset about it. Yep, I, I seen the Karen thing that you're talking about, but we already have one of those, right? Tanya Deville, so didn't make any sense to me at all. Okay, so uh, you have the next one, sir. Next headline. Next headline is WWE Hall of Famer returning to the ring next month. As many of you saw tonight, at, or, well, Saturday night at the WWE Royal Rumble, Beth Phoenix made her return and laid out Rhea Ripley as the Judgment Day was attacking her husband, Edge. Plans for Phoenix to return to the ring and bout tonight was the first step in the setup for a match at the Elimination Chamber. We were told a few weeks back that Phoenix would be teaming with Edge at the Premium Live event next month. We were also told about plans for Edge to wrestle Finn Bauer in a Hell in a Cell match at tonight's show, but those plans changed, and the match may have been moved to WrestleMania. The plan for next month is Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Finn Bauer and Rhea Ripley. I think this is a good call um, because you've got four great workers stepping into the ring. There's no question about it. it it's going to be an awesome match. I 100% would book Judgment Day to win this match, even though you could argue... Edge and Beth Phoenix need the win back. Um, But you would also have to imagine that if Finn Balor and Edge are now going to face each other in a Hell in a Cell match or some type of stipulation match at WrestleMania, that um, Edge is probably going to wind up winning that one. So that's why I would think going into WrestleMania, the final stretch for WrestleMania, you'd want to have Judgment Day win this tag team match. And then... Edge gets his revenge uh, at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I, I think I think it's uh, 
you know, this is uh, Edge's last rendezvous. Edge looked good in the Rumble. He got rid of uh, almost all of Judgment Day except Dominic Mysterio, and he would have got rid of him if uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest wouldn't have pulled him over the top rope, getting Edge eliminated. However, Beth Phoenix, I kind of thought she was going to be in the female Royal Rumble, and that kind of threw me off when she never showed up. I, I don't know if that might have, I don't know if maybe she felt she wasn't ready or in shape, but she looked pretty good when she come out there. And, uh, oh, man, you know, I just thought of something. Surely the goodness. They're not going to use Beth Phoenix to interrupt Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania in her title shot. Surely they're not going to make that mistake. I just thought of that. Rhea Ripley actually will have two feuds going on. She's going to announce who, what title she's going after. And we have Beth Phoenix back. Uh, ha, ha, ha. That could go, that could go sideways in a hurry, I think. All right, sir. Uh, next headline. So, someone we've been just dying to see in a WWE ring again. Nia Jax returned at the Royal Rumble. Nia Jax appears to be back in WWE. Jax made her return at the Royal Rumble in San Antonio on Saturday night. Jax was released over a year ago by Vince McMahon for not getting vaccinated for the COVID-19 virus. Jax has laid low during her time away from WWE, but there have been rumblings in recent days about her possibly returning, and that proved to be true. It's not clear if she's back full-time. When she entered the Women's Royal Rumble match, she was attacked by the rest of the women in the ring, but she fought them off and then stood face-to-face and then brawled with Raquel Rodriguez. It took a riptide from Rhea Ripley and everyone else in the match to eliminate Jax from the ring. All right, well... You know, putting politics aside, like, let's forget about the COVID-19 vaccine completely for right now. I personally was never a big Nia Jax fan. I thought that she used to look okay when she wrestled in NXT and and even when she first came to the main roster. But then she started injuring people on a regular basis. She broke Becky Lynch's nose, which prevented Becky Lynch from having a match at Survivor Series with Ronda Rousey. She injured Kyrie Sane. A bunch of other women that I'm just not remembering right now. I mean, I just, I don't understand the fixation on Nia Jax. Um, Personally, I think the only reason she had a uh, job in the first place is because she's a distant relative of The Rock. I mean, really, I mean, other than her impressive size, it's like, well, what what does she really have going for her? So I'm kind of hoping this is just a one and done thing and that she's not back full time. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Well, I agree with you 100%. Uh, she's just a big girl. She has no athleticism whatsoever. And I'm going to break your heart right now because I did get some more information in. And I think that she's probably there to stay because they now have uh, merchandise with her name on it already in WWE.shop.com. So, yeah, she hurts other wrestlers. Other female wrestlers don't want to work with her because she's so clumsy and she hurts people. I don't know what, you know, I question, I don't question a whole lot on what Triple H does when he brings back these talents. But Nia Jax and this K-Fab and and that duo there, Hero, man, that, you know, bravo on bringing back Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, and, and Johnny Gargano. But, dude, what are you thinking? I mean, why would you bring her back? We finally got rid of her. Anyways, 
Okay, so let's move on to the uh, next story. All right, so before we go any further, let's go ahead and uh, talk about the Bray Wyatt LA LA Night match because we definitely we want to get to all the matches as well, and we're working we're just going to work them in between uh, the news. So Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight. It was the pitch black match. We all picked uh, Bray Wyatt to win, and of course he did. Or no, I'm sorry, Warren actually picked LA Knight. <laughs> Stupid. But anyways, Bray Wyatt won. Uh, so the match the match started, and I've got to be honest, I was very disappointed in this match. This match didn't have to be on pay-per-view. All it was was a hardcore match. I mean, if you're going to have Bray Wyatt first match back, and you're going to promote it. And I can tell, you know, in the last episode, I, I gave a report that Bray Wyatt said he didn't know what this match entailed. He was he had no part of coming up with it. And, buddy, you can tell he didn't because it was stupid. All it was was a bunch of neon lights and a hardcore match. Stupid. However, it was good seeing Bray back in the ring. It was good seeing him annihilate people again. And he did introduce a new character after the match was over. He put on a he, he introduced a new mask. We have no we have no idea what this character's name is. Is this Uncle Harper? There's an Uncle Harper coming. We know that. Was this Uncle Harper? I mean, we don't know who it was. I thought it was the fiend when I first seen the mask. So he introduced that, and that's still once again we're left questioning. He has the power of the fiend. If you guys didn't notice, L.A. Knight was not holding back on that Kindle stick. He was whacking him with everything, and it had zero effect on Bray Wyatt in that match. Zero effect. And we're talking about a guy who already went through a table earlier during their hardcore match. What I did like is Uncle Howdy showed up on top of the scaffold, and I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming because he's never really been physical, just besides the one sister Abigail that he gave to, to Bray Wyatt. He jumps off the scaffold and puts L.A. Knight through the fire pit. Now, I did enjoy that. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And another thing, when you look up at the scaffold at the top, there are the life puppets again, the life-size puppets. I'm telling you, I've said it and said it and said it, the puppets are the Wyatt Six. Also, you guys paid close enough attention, Bray Wyatt on his face and his paint, which, by the way, I forgot to mention that. That did look pretty cool. He had his face painted and it showed up in the neon lights, and that, that did look pretty cool. And one of the things he had painted on his face was the number six in numeral uh, letters. So, once again, we're just as lost as we were, but I am disappointed with the match itself. After the match, I thought it was good, but the match itself I was disappointed with. And I'm going to talk about one other thing, and I'll, and I'll turn it over to you. Uh, the next match was just as disappointing was Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss. And the reason why I mention that because they both these matches involved Uncle Howdy. Now, Donnie, you're right. Bianca Belair retained her title. I actually chose Alexa. Here's the thing, though. I don't even. This match is another match that did not have to be a part of a pay per view. It was just. A, it was just a match. Just a match. And you're going to have Bianca Belair beat Alexa Bliss fair and square. Stupid. I, I mean, stupid. How much more stock are they going to put? And this stupid Bianca Blair girl. It's ridiculous. And then you have an Uncle Howdy, Vignetta. He doesn't show up, even though we know he's there. He just, earlier, he put L.A. Knight through the fire pit. 
He doesn't show up, but they have another vignette. And it makes no sense, and we still have no answers. And Electra Bliss sits there and looks at the screen, and it goes off. I, I just, I thought it was a waste of time. So I, was, I told you, you guys are going to be surprised on my opinion of this show. I thought that was a waste of time. Your thoughts, sir? Well, the unfortunate part is based on the chatter I've been reading on the Internet. These were the two low points of the night. Um, you know, for me, I thought, I thought the lighting and all that kind of stuff looked really cool in the pitch black match. But like you said, I think the unfortunate part about this match, I mean, first of all, it was too short. How can you really tell a story in the ring in the span of five minutes? Um, and second of all, it, it, you know, it just, it's like they, they should have combined the ending of the match, the, the, the bit with Uncle Howdy, and actually made it a part of the match itself. Because it's not like Bray Wyatt would have been disqualified for Uncle Howdy diving on to L.A. Knight. Bray Wyatt could have just dragged L.A. Knight back to the ring after he went through the trash pad or the fire pit, whatever we want to call it, and hit him with Sister Abigail and pinned him in the ring there. Um, but, you know, the stuff that they did as far as as far as the entrance and the character work that Bray does is always great. You know, I just, the match was mediocre. What can I say? Um, hopefully L.A. Knight gets used a little bit better going forward, and hopefully we get some flipping answers one of these days about who or what the Wyatt Six are, because I'm really getting anxious at this point. And, you know, the Alexa-Bianca match, when they first attacked each other when the bell rang, I thought to myself, okay, okay, we got ourselves a strap here. And then it got super boring because Alexa Bliss just tried to wear Bianca Belair down with submission holds, and the... the the one way to kill a crowd, man, is uh, is to use too many rest holds. But I am, on the other hand, happy that my girl, the EST, Bianca Belair, retained the Raw Women's title. She continues her reign of dominance. I said she was going to pony uh, ponytail whip uh, Alexa Bliss into submission. Um, and then, yeah, the Uncle Howdy stuff at the end of the match was, you know, it was what it was. We'll probably have more questions after tonight's episode of Raw. Uh, yeah, and you can can take Bianca Belair and stick her up your butt as far as I'm concerned. She has had that title way too long. Way too long. <laughs> way too long. All right, let's man, your girl. I hear you. Uh let's let's uh next headline. Pat McAfee's return was a shock to everyone in the WWE. Pat McAfee's return last night or Saturday night at the WWE Royal Rumble was a shock to everyone, including people on the production team, reports that McAfee's return was kept very close to the vest to prevent the news of his return from leaking out. So Michael Cole's reaction was legitimate when Cole said that he had spoken to McAfee earlier that day and he did not clue him in whatsoever. It went as far as to keep the majority of the production team in the dark. However, there had been some people expecting McAfee since college football seasons ended, and it was always known that he would be back to his duties after, uh, after his duties ended at ESPN were done. McAfee has been praised for the energy he brought to SmackDown last year. It's unclear if he will be added to the SmackDown announce team alongside Michael Cole and Wade, Wade Barrett. Booker T recently stated on his podcast that he will be at the NXT full-time in the, in the commentary row that Barrett previously had. So I am very, very happy to see McAfee back. And yeah, we could see that the <laughs> that uh the Cole was shocked. I think everybody was pretty much shocked. I didn't expect him to, to just show up like that. 
even though I had heard rumors, but nothing nothing solid. And you cannot split him and Michael Cole up on the SmackDown. I did notice that McAfee last night was a little bit different. He gave Michael Cole a harder time than he used to. He was kind of like more more towards like a heel commentary. And I don't remember him doing that than the, before. Maybe that's just me, but it seems like he was more of a heelish than, uh, you know, than he was before. Your thoughts on McAfee? There's definitely a certain energy that he brings to the commentary when he's back versus when he's not there. I mean, I think that Michael Cole and Corey Graves do a good enough job keeping us invested in what's going on, um, going on, on, uh, you know, on screen and everything. But, uh, I mean, nothing's ever going to replace the uh, glory days of uh, JR and the King. But, you know, it's good to have Pat McAfee back. And I've personally always said I, I think it's a lot more entertaining when the color commentator favors the heels versus when they're being more of a more of like an impartial color commentator. I just think it makes for more entertaining television. So maybe they'll maybe they'll stay in that direction. You also have to remember when Pat McAfee debuted in NXT a couple of years ago, he was a heel at one point in time, particularly when he was feuding with Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era. Um, so I, I don't know if they'll lean into that more. It's going to be uh, – I'm curious to see what they do on future episodes of SmackDown. Yeah, I'd like to see him go through with it. Uh, I don't – I'll just be honest with you. I've, he was an okay wrestler, but I've never really been a fan of, of uh, Wade Barrett's commentary. So I, I, I think that they need to just – I don't know what to do with him, but I, I, it needs to be Michael Cole. You only have Corey Graves and Michael Cole at pay-per-views. So on SmackDown, you need you need McAfee and Cole to be the duo. All right, so let's talk about the men's Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes was your Royal Rumble winner. He actually entered the Rumble at number 30. Now, Cody Rhodes was the winner, but he wasn't the star. Star of the Royal Rumble, in my opinion, was Gunther, who entered number one and was the last man eliminated before that Cody had to eliminate to win the Rumble. This guy, he, he's solidifying how great he is. And I really, even though I thought that this Rumble stunk to high heaven, and I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why, even though I thought this was one of the worst Royal Rumbles matches that I've seen in a long time, Gunther really impressed me. Cody Rhodes was number 30. He didn't really impress. He, he really didn't. And so, you know, and you and uh, Warren were right by picking Cody. I picked Seth Rollins. Freaking Logan Paul. <laughs> Logan Paul eliminates Seth Rollins. And I was glad, you know, hats off to Cody Rhodes for taking him and doing the, the crossroads to him and getting rid of that punk. But I could not believe. Now, I will say one thing. Logan Paul and Ricochet does this crazy thing, man off the top rope, and connected in the air. i never seen anything like that. That was something else. It's been a long time since, uh, I'm talking like ECW days, since I've seen anything even close to that. That was awesome. That was. However, you didn't have any real surprise entries. It was very disappointing. Edge, which we kind of figured he would show up, and he just mainly went after Judgment Day. Booker T, who cares? There was no no surprise. He didn't, they didn't even have Sami Zayn in the Rumble. And I think that was kind of a mistake. I think that was a mistake. Even with you could have still had the same ending, the same main event, everything like that. I think people were waiting for. I was waiting for him. 
to come walking out there to one of those numbers, and it never happens. I understand. The Rock doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do WrestleMania. He can't get in shape. That's fine. John Cena just wrestled for you not that long ago. Why not bring him into the Royal Rumble just as a prop? You know what kind of pop you would have got? Don't go Steve Austin. Something. You know, the Zack Ryder thing. What was that all about? Him trademarking all these names and not not being there. It just, it was very, it was very disappointing. And I always think it's such a huge mistake having the Men's Royal Rumble be the first kickoff match of the night. I'm not saying it had to be the main event, but having it be first really, I don't know, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And maybe that's why I thought, you know, I only rated this uh, Royal Rumble the entire pay-per-view 4 out of 10, just to let you know how pathetic I thought it was. And I'm a huge Royal Rumble fan. Your thoughts, sir? Oh, I thought there definitely were some bright spots in the men's Royal Rumble match. I thought it was cool how Braun Strowman eliminated Omos. I thought, um, you know, obviously that Logan Paul ricochet spot was crazy. And I know you, I know you hate Logan Paul, Kentucky guy, and that's and that's totally fine. He's kind of a chump in real life, to be perfectly honest. I'm not going to deny that. But the little bit of time that he has wrestled, I have to, I have to say, he's kind of impressed me in the ring. And if they're doing what I think they're doing, I think he's on a collision course with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, which I think could end up being a great match, largely because you know he'd be working with the Architect. Seth freaking Rollins, who can have a great match with just about anybody. Um, Gunther, 100%, was a big star, looked like like a million bucks in this match. Um, So kudos to him for being able to last all the way till the end. Um, You know, Cody Rhodes, I was happy that he won. He was who I predicted. He wasn't in the Rumble match as long as I think he should have been to really like earn that spot, but I'm still happy for him that he was able to, to get that big victory. I do agree with you though, Kentucky guy, we didn't have too many surprises this year. Um, you know, Booker T. Okay. I mean, we've seen him in the Royal rumble before edge. Everybody was expecting him to come back. John Cena appearance would have been nice. A Steve Austin appearance would have been nice. There are other surprises they could have done. I, I didn't see uh, Braun Breaker from NXT. He he would have been a good addition to the Royal. No Dexter Loomis. So many different guys who could have been in the Rumble, and they decided not to put them in it. Sami Zayn, like you said, could have still been in the Rumble match. Did not have to win it, but could have put on a good showing. Um, you know, uh, and and I think unfortunately, when you do the Rumble match at the very beginning, you kind of kill the energy of the crowd early in the night. I think that's why the crowd was so quiet during the Bray Wyatt and uh, Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss matches um, because they had all their energy was gone. They had to save it up again for the women's rumble and then the main event. But uh, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say, I think it was one of the worst rumbles of all time. There are plenty of other rumbles that were far worse than this one, but um, yeah, definitely a lack of surprises, which brought the rating down a bit. And, you know, you mentioned like they didn't have any superstars in the men's Royal rumble from NXT. They had a few in the female, and I like I said earlier, I think the female uh, Royal Rumble was a lot better than the males this year, a lot better. And, you know, they had people like, uh, you know, the Street Profits. It just it's so weird, some of the people they had in here. You know, Chad Gable, I mean, he doesn't, he, he's a tag team guy. He doesn't, you know, there's no chance that he's going to win it. It's just some of the people they had in there just, I don't know, it just didn't make any sense. 
didn't make any sense. We always got next year. Hopefully, the Elimination Chamber and uh, God Hope, uh, WrestleMania, they learn their lesson before they go on to those. All right, let's go to the next headline. WWE star missed the Royal Rumble, but he missed due to injury. Although Rey Mysterio was announced as the number 17 entry in this year's 30-man Royal Rumble, WWE did not use him in the actual match. Instead, they had his son, Dominic Mysterio, get some heat by making his entrance at number 18 while wearing Ray's iconic mask. Some fans even speculated it could have been an angle where his son attacked him, and that's why Dominic was wearing the mask. WWE never really explained why the former world champion didn't enter the bout. However, Dave Meltzer did find out and noted on the Bleacher Report that Mysterio was injured in his SmackDown match on Friday night with Karrion Cross. It's unclear what the injury is or how significant, but they are still setting up Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. Yeah, so I didn't know what happened either. I, I thought I was kind of shocked. By the way, on SmackDown, Rey Mysterio ended up actually beating Karrion Cross. Don't don't understand that. Don't get that. Why would you have Karrion Cross lose lose when you're trying to build him up? I mean. Either build the guy up or, or, or cut him loose. It's ridiculous. He lost to Rey Mysterio? Come on. Your thoughts? I mean, losing to Rey Mysterio, I, w- I would say, is much less of a blemish on your career than losing to Jeff Hardy because at least Rey Mysterio can still perform in the ring at a pretty good level. That being said, I do agree that this should have been a win for Karrion Cross on SmackDown. Um, I also didn't like uh, that he wasn't in the Royal Rumble match that long. He's another guy that I would have had in there for, you know, at least 15 or 20 minutes, have him eliminate a couple of people from the match. I, I don't know what they're doing with him right now. They're making the same mistake they made um, during his first run in the company. But I digress. Um, yeah, I mean, the Dominic Ray Mysterio feud, they've been building up for a while now. And hopefully, you know, Ray will uh, hopefully Ray will take that little punk uh, Dominic to school at WrestleMania and teach him some manners that you respect your elders and their legacy. But it uh, should be a good showdown when it eventually happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I just oh, I just feel like they've been dragging it on so long, so long, so long. You have to remember, all through the holidays, he messed up their Thanksgiving. He got thrown in jail on Christmas. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're headed into February tomorrow, so, <laughs> or, or day after tomorrow. Okay, uh, next headline. By the way, we... Unintentionally, we've actually went through every single Royal Rumble match. <laughs> so, so that's pretty good. Uh, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes actually reveals when he was medically cleared for the Royal Rumble. So as we talked about earlier, Rhodes actually entered the Royal Rumble at number 30 and actually won the, the men's Royal Rumble. He confirmed that he'd been training at the Performance Center with Joey Gracie and Camarlo, uh, Camarlo Hayes up until his return. Now, right there's two guys that I'd like to see in the Rumble as well. They, they would have been very good. Uh, anyways, he called his torn pec injury an embarrassing, embarrassing during the post-Rumble uh, press conference while he rode into WWE by simply doing a bench press. Bruce Pritchard and Nick Khan were two people who kept checking on him throughout his recovery. And here's the thing. He got partially cleared on his pec, but still had to heavily train and get cleared, and he did not get the full clearance until the day of the Rumble. 
<laughs> he talked about how it might have been, it would have been embarrassing if the doctors wouldn't have cleared him after him saying that he was going to be in the Rumble and then they would have had to change plans. So, so here's the thing. Even though, and I made an announcement that he was cleared way before he even came out, or right before he came out himself and told us that he was cleared for the Rumble and ready to come back. But I did, I'm just now hearing about this partially clear. I don't really understand what that means, but okay. <laughs> so I'm glad he got cleared because he'd have made us both look bad. So, anyways, your thoughts? Talk about waiting until the last minute. Um, I can't even imagine what their backup to their backup plan would have been if Cody Rhodes couldn't compete in the Royal Rumble. Um, because they have basically confirmed that months and months ago, you know, before they found out that it was definitely not happening, their plan was to do the Rock Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39. They found out many months ago the Rock was not going to be ready to go. He was not going to have time to train. So they said, well, just as long as his recovery goes as scheduled, then Cody Rhodes is going to be our backup op. Now, would Sami Zayn have been their backup option to that? Then that, that would have kind of forced their hand, and he would have been he would have had to have been the guy to win the Royal Rumble, right? I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know either. Uh, it would be, uh, be very interesting, very interesting. So just a couple of side notes here. Uh, Kevin Nash, he actually declined the offer to appear at the Raw 30th anniversary. Uh, as noted before, I think we talked about there were some legends missing, like Tatanka couldn't come because uh, his son's wrestling tournament. Mick Foley said on Facebook he had to decline because he was on, been on the road for over a month, wanted to spend some time with the family. Uh, and Kevin Nash actually declined. And he actually spoke about it. He said, I really didn't want to be around people I didn't know, talking about other people that would be there, who would keep asking me, you know, who would keep saying to me, I'm sorry to hear about your son. So I can under, I can understand that. I, I, I get it. Ric Flair, however, was there. And he said that it was phenomenal. He learned more about himself and what he's what he's missed in the business and what what he had missed in one day because he it's been a while since he's been around the WWE. He said he felt like he was respected. He felt like he was wanted. Felt like he was a part of it again. He walked away a better man with a better understanding of who he is as a person and what the business is about. The reason why, and this I found this interesting. I'm going to do some quotes here that he did. Quote, it started out with me and Hunter talking for about an hour, which is a private discussion. But we resolved a lot of issues that have been lingering for a couple of years. And then I apologized to Becky Lynch. I walked up to her and said, may I speak with you for a minute? And I said, I'm really sorry that this got to where it is. I went over and shook Seth Rollins' hand and said, I apologize to your wife. I just decided, you know, it all comes down, it all comes with the documentary. Sometimes you get so wrapped up in things that you just forget, and you say it so many times for so many years. Actually, the whole The Man trademark was decided by someone else besides her and I. If it's, it's, not, that, it's not that as much money that was involved, in which the company reaps the better part of it anyways, then I saw them with their child, and I thought, my God, this is going to be Ashley someday. It's not worth it. I'm not the man anymore. The man is who the people think it is. And basically, we've turned it over to social media to decide 
who the man is. He also stated, as you mentioned earlier, uh, he did not see Vince McMahon at Raw. Uh, he didn't bring his name up either. He just he spoke with about Vince McMahon to the Undertaker, but he doesn't know any more after going to the show about Vince McMahon than he did before he went. So I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, the man issue. I didn't. E- I, I heard about this issue, and I heard it got pretty pretty rough online. Uh, them arguing back and forth, and I'm glad Ric Flair, who is the man, uh, was the bigger man. And went and apologized and seen the error of his ways. Because, you know, I mean, who cares? She's a woman. We know she's a woman. It's just a a, a catchphrase that she started. And it, it went over. So, you know, don't hurt your legacy. You've already done a horrible things to wrestling that last match. Don't completely ruin it by being in a stupid argument over the man. All right, man. Uh, your thoughts? I think it's good that they're, uh, you know, finally... Putting by, letting bygones be bygones and moving past this. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a big controversy on of, uh, online when Becky Lynch started using the, uh, you know, the, the phrase the man to describe herself. And I'm kind of just like, well, I mean, come on. It's a new generation of wrestling fans. Ric Flair was the man, uh, you know, from, 19, from the 1970s to, you know, the 2000s. And. You know, Becky Lynch is really popular right now, and so what if she wants to call herself the man? Um, and, the, and, the, and same thing, you know, whatever lingering tension there was between Ric Flair and Triple H. You know, Triple H grew up idolizing Ric Flair. He was one of his role models, uh, one of the reasons he got into wrestling. You know, of course they're going to they're gonna be the bigger men and talk things through and, you know, work stuff out. They've got too close of a bond, so I'm glad to hear that they're back on good terms. Yeah, me too, me too. Evolution. One of the best factions there ever was. Let's see here. And we have a AEW superstar who's actually in the back at the WWE Royal Rumble and actually got their picture taken. <laughs> so the picture looks like it's a from a surveillance camera screenshot. And it went viral as soon as it went out. And, of course, it's led to some conspiracy theories. And that is Ricky Starks was backstage with Cody Rhodes and it looked like John Cena was in the picture as well. Now, Starks, they they asked his reaction, and he laughed. And he said he made a joke about GTV, the storyline that played out for weeks uh, in the 90s, late 90s on WWE TV on Raw and SmackDown. And I, and I thought that was funny. He didn't – it doesn't mean anything. We see WWE stars in back of uh, AEW and TNA and all the time, so – I don't think that means anything, but it was a part of uh, the story. I wanted to mention it. And then we have SmackDown results, and I'll go over them, sir, and you can give your opinion. Uh, We talked about a lot of these already. Kevin Owens versus uh, Solo. Uh, Kevin Owens ended up winning that match. Karrion Cross versus Rey Mysterio. Unbelievably, Rey Mysterio won that match. Something interesting, the tag team tournament continued. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus versus Hit Row. However... Drew McIntyre and Sheamus were attacked on their way out to the match by the Viking Raiders. They would not go to the match, even though uh, Adam Pierce told them to. They were like, did you see what happened? And they took off after the Vikings. So they were replaced by a new tag team, uh, Ron, Ron Strowman and Ricochet. And Ron Strowman and Ricochet ended up winning the match. Of course, it's against their row. And then the other tag team tournament match was Imperio versus uh, Legado del Fantasma. 
the winner was Imperial. So now we have Imperial versus Strowman and Ricochet. I have to say that Imperial is going to win that match because we have a makeshift tag team just thrown together, and Imperial has been a tag team for, I don't gosh, oh, I don't know how many years. So, yeah, I can't see that happening. Anyways, sir, your thoughts? Well, lots to unpack. I've already kind of given my opinions about the Karrion Cross-Rey Mysterio match. T- tons of respect for Rey Mysterio. He's always going to be a favorite. Definitely, he should have put Karrion Cross over in this match. I mean, if you're going to make this guy continue to look strong, he's got to score victories over big names, and Rey Mysterio is a big name. So I, I don't understand this booking right here, unless the feud's going to continue, get stretched out to another pay-per-view. Still not really in favor of that one. Um, Kevin Owens had to win his match against Solo. He had to look strong going up against the Tribal Chief, and that's exactly what they made him do. They made him look strong against a really tough opponent. Um, makeshift team or not, I am so glad that Braun Strowman and Ricochet, Ricochet beat um, <laughs> Hit Row. I'm over them. We, we, we need to get them off of the TV, like, immediately. Just send them back to catering where they belong. Um, or, I mean, if they want to get into the music business, then let them get into the music business and get out of wrestling. Um I would say I would agree with you, Kentucky guy. It makes the most sense to have Imperium beat uh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet. The only reason I think that they wouldn't is because, again, because the Usos are heels and they they've been the tag team champs for so long, and they're not going to be dropping the titles until at least WrestleMania. I could easily see them having a little filler feud with this makeshift tag team. Fortunately, it's two guys who are good wrestlers individually, so this could make for an interesting match. But um, I mean, again, yeah, the the smart thing would be would be to have the established tag team win here. But something tells me WWE is going to pull a fast one on us and have Braun Strowman and Ricochet win this match. Yeah, I I think that'd be a mistake. But yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. So as far as the Raw match card. Basically, we went over that. That's all they really have. List does not, uh, you know, it, I'll be curious on Raw to see, like, Brock Lesnar, is he going to show up? I mean, he was so furious when Bobby Lashley got rid of him kind of quickly in the Rumble. By the way, I would have rather had Bobby Lashley versus Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar than Alexa Bliss versus Bianca Belair. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I almost said, and Bray Wyatt and, LA night, but I've been looking forward to Bray Wyatt back in the ring too long. I don't think I could have said it <laughs> any long. All right, so let's move on to the Rampage results. Hangman Page versus Wheeler Yuta. Hangman Page was the winner. Then we had uh, Jeff Jarrett and Cy and uh, Jay Lethal versus Best Friends and Dunhausen with Sonia Dot and Orange Cassidy at ringside. And Cy actually pinned Dunhausen to win the match. No surprise there. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Tony Mudd. Again, winner, Powerhouse Hobbs. Jamie Hayter versus uh, M.A. Sakura. Winner, Jamie Hayter, of course, the champion. No real surprises. I know that Hangman Page went a little overboard after the match on Willer Yuta. I don't know if they're trying to make this guy a heel or what, but I tell you one thing, and as bad as I hate to admit it, which I don't care, I don't not because of Hangman Page, because I don't like him anyways, but because I don't like this guy either. But Logan Paul does your move better, buddy. That that butt shot lariat, I don't know what Logan Paul calls it, but he did it during the Rumble. 
and he does a be- he does it better than Hangman Page, in my opinion. But uh, anyways, your thoughts? Kentucky guy, you actually took the words out of my mouth, and I cannot believe. And we should we should, we should definitely record this. Oh wait, we are recording it. Um, you actually giving Logan Paul a compliment. Um, he does deliver the buckshot lariat better than Hangman Page does. I'm not saying Hangman Page does it badly. I'm just saying it looks a little bit more effortless when Logan Paul does it. Just saying. I don't know if it's maybe because he's a little taller and uh, I guess more agile than Hangman Page. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they're having him show a little bit more of an aggressive side right now, which I don't know. Maybe it'll make him more interesting or more, uh, you know, more uh, give him some character. Which I know a lot of people said he didn't have much character when he was champion, um, for better or for worse. Uh, you know, Jamie Hader beating Emmy Sakura. I mean, Jamie Hader's uh, doing great right now, so you got to keep making the champion look strong. Totally agree with that booking decision. Uh, powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, yeah, Tony Mudd. Tony Mudd should just uh, crawl back into the mud, I guess, after that performance. And... Uh, yeah, the six-man tag match was entertaining, but uh, uh, sorry, Dan Housen. I guess they didn't like your jokes. Yeah, on the uh, Buckshot Lariat, I, I think that uh, it just looked crispier, I guess, if that makes sense. It looked more crisp when Logan Paul does it. I mean, I, I give people now, even though people I don't like, I give them their due when they do something right. I mean, I just, Logan Paul has, messed over so many people on this cryptocurrency game that he promoted that was fake. Finally, finally, after being called out for months, finally admitted that it was fake, but he didn't return all the money. I don't even know. And that's why, folks, if you're wondering, like, wow, Logan Paul at Crown Jewel, people were uh, plotting him, and he did such a great job against Roman Reigns. Why was he getting booed right from the beginning when he came out? That's why. Everybody knows what's going on. He ripped a lot of people off, and he's the scum of the earth. And it's actually he's actually a black guy to WWE right now, in my opinion, because it doesn't matter if you're real life or work or entertainment or what. They all go hand in hand. You're still the same person, and he's a piece of crap. Dynamite match card for Wednesday. Always leave it to Dynamite and AEW, man. They always have their stuff together. Appreciate that. Uh, Red Velvet versus Billy Stark. Have no clue. Don't care. John Silver and Alex Reynolds versus the work horse. The workhorse. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Rush versus Brian Tillman Jr. Rush will win that match. Sky Blue and Yuka Sakala versus Athena and uh, Demonte. Don't care. Top Flight versus Tony Nese and Ari Divari. Uh, top Flight will win that match. Malachi Black and Co- uh, Brody King versus Turbo Floyd and Truth Magnum. No clue. Uh, House of Black will win that. I don't know. And then uh, Polito versus Blake Christian. I think Polito's still the Ring of Honor champion, so they're not going to let him lose against this Blake Christian guy on a normal dynamite. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know half these people on this show. So your thoughts, buddy? That's that's all I got on this. Are you sure that's the card for Dynamite? And you didn't accidentally pick up the card for AEW Dark. That's dy- it says it's Dynamite. I'm just joking. Well, I mean, maybe it was a typo. I don't. I don't know because, yeah, half of these matches matches don't sound like ones you'd see on an episode of Dynamite. I'm like, I thought Dynamite was supposed to be the A show, not the B show. Um, yeah, Claudio's gonna retain the uh, Ring of Honor title. Um, 
Top Flight will probably win their match. House of Black, 100%, they're going to win. Uh, Red Velvet will win her match as well because she's they're building her up to challenge Jade Cargill. They they used to team up, and now uh, they were both part of the baddies, but that's not a, a thing anymore. So Red Velvet will win that match. Um, Brian Pillman Jr., you know, I think he's a young uh, kid that has a lot of potential, but he's definitely not going to beat uh, Roosh uh, on, on Dynamite this week. And uh, I think those are really the only matches on the card that matter. Are we expected to see any appearances from Soraya or Tony Storm or MJF? Okay, okay. So you had me doubt myself, and I think that is an episode of Dark. Okay. <laughs> So dynamite card is Brian Danielson versus Timothy Thatcher. Wow, Timothy Thatcher was great in NXT and on Ring of Honor. I mean, they're not going to let because of the storyline. And I apologize to this everyone uh, for having the wrong card. Oh, I'm glad you said that. You said it as a joke, but uh, I actually started thinking maybe he's right. And you were. Uh, so, anyways, Timothy Thatcher, Daniel Bryan's going to have his hands. We also have John Moxley versus Adam Page on the Dynamite card. We have the uh, the acclaim to defend against a tag team to be announced. Okay, we have the AEW. Okay, so the, yeah, this makes more sense. The TNT champion Darby Allen will defend against the Ring of Honor Television champion Samoa Joe in a no holds bar match. I think uh, I think Darby will keep the belt. Ring of Honor six man tag team champion Brian Cage versus Canuso. Takashi, they just can't seem to put Brian Cage over like they should. I really think they, they, they've done him a disservice in AEW. So I, I think the, the other guy will win, but it, it should be Cage. And then we have uh, the TBS champion, uh, Jade Carhill, defends her title against Red Velvet. And if she wins, she'll be 50 wins and 0. Now, she's beat Red Velvet before, kind of handedly. I've got to give it to Jay Cardgill. I don't know what this Red Velvet has on Tony Khan or whoever, how she keeps getting put in the main event, but she's not that great of a wrestler, I don't think. But there is the real card, sir, if you want to give your opinion. I think Brian Cage is going to win his match. I mean, no, they haven't been booking him that well, but he is one of the Ring of Honor six-man tag team title holders. So I think he's going to pick up a win here. Uh, yeah, Jade Cardgill is not going to be dropping her title Red Velvet. I think Red Velvet will give her a decent match. But, uh, yeah, Jade's going to be 50 and 0 when all is said and done. Um, oof. John Moxley and Hangman Page, that's going to be uh, that, that's gonna be a tough one to call. I feel like Moxley is due to avenge his loss. But at the same time, I almost feel like this is one of those matches maybe it could end some sort of disqualification finish, and potentially these two will continue the feud the next pay-per-view. So that's my prediction for the match. We're not going to have a conclusive winner. Um, and then Brian Danielson versus Timothy. Th yeah, that's going to be one to watch. Uh, Timothy Thatcher is going to definitely give him a uh, run for his money. Uh, I'm sure Brian Danielson will pick up the win somehow. He's going to have to bite and claw his way to victory. No question about that. Um, you know, because, uh, in order to get, in order to get to the top of the company, in order to beat the very best, you, you got to earn it. And Brian Danielson wants that AEW world title. And, not going to say he's definitely going to win it, but I, I would love to see that happen. We, we know how I feel about it. Um, TNT championship match, and it's going to be another great 
showdown between Samoa Joe and Darby Allen. Huge Samoa Joe fan, but I think I'm going to go with Darby to retain on this one. And then as far as the tag team title match, hmm, who is going to be challenging the acclaimed? I, I think, let me chime in here. I think it might be either FTR or it might be that top flight group. That's just my opinion. I'm more inclined to think it would be FTR. And I think if FTR do challenge the acclaimed, we're going to be looking at new AEW World Tag Team Champions. No doubt. I agree 100%. Uh, we need new champions. I mean, I don't want this top flight. But, you know, the way they've done the titles with the last two tag champions, it's getting to the point that I really don't care about the tag titles on AEW. It's kind of like they're a joke now. Okay, so that is actually, sir, that's all I have for this episode. Uh, how about yourself? Well, the only thing I want to say is, uh, you know, back to what you were saying earlier, Kentucky guy, about Ricky Starks being backstage for a WWE event. Like you said, wrestlers visit each other all the time backstage. It does not mean anything. Last time I heard, Ricky Starks was locked down into a multi-year deal, deal with AEW. I highly doubt he's going anywhere anytime soon. Ricky Starks is one of the future stars of AEW. So it, he's not going anywhere. He's not going to WWE. It would it would have to take some crazy, crazy circumstance for him to leave AEW and go to WWE. I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I, I don't he uh you know, he he said that he's friends and his mentor is is Cody Rhodes. You gotta remember something. Cody Rhodes started AEW, the Young Bucks and the other guys. By the way, Cody Rhodes after winning the Rumble gave a shout out to the Young Bucks, which I thought was very, very cool of him. Very, I, I don't know if you caught that or not, but he did do a shout out to those guys, and I thought it was awesome. Were you able to catch that? No, that one I did not. I did not catch. Did he? Did he do like the? Uh, did he do, do like their trademark yeah. uh, gesture? He did or the peace sign, and then he did the the guns like Kenny Mega does. Ah, uh, okay, got it. I thought it was huh. cool. Very cool. Uh, what else you got? I uh, that that is all I got. Okay. All right, folks, so you've been listening to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. With your co-hosts, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Remember, there's more episodes that you can listen to. Donnie or myself, we don't limit you to just one episode. You can listen to another, then another, and another if you like. Have a wonderful day, and as always, God bless, and God bless America.